Well, last time we welcomed him on the podcast, Kenny Albert was kind of waiting to see what sports would be going on, how they would do it. And, Kenny, you've been doing games now since, what, July? Like, when sports kicked back up. And we, when we left off, Kenny Albert, we talked about what was next. And so tell us a little bit, first of all, your journey doing sports in 2020 into 2021. Well, Alice, first of all, it's great to be with you again. We've kept in contact over the last year or so since we did that podcast, and uh, great to hear and see that you're doing well. Um, since we last chatted, it, it's certainly been uh, an interesting time. Um, I went to the NHL bubble in Edmonton last August and worked over 30 games during the playoffs um, in that bubble. And then uh, came back to the United States in early September, uh, worked the NFL season, the NFL on Fox. And then in January, uh, when the NHL started up again, uh, my regular duties with the Rangers radio crew, uh, with NBC Hockey, and then uh, filled in on a bunch of Knicks television games as well uh, for MSG. Now, what was different this year was we did not travel very much Um for the away games, for the Rangers and the Knicks, we did the away games out of studios in New York, uh, the TV studios across the street from MSG, radio studios up uh, in the 60s uptown. Uh, with NBC, I did travel for some games during the regular season, but uh, many others we broadcasted out of the studios in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, now that we're into the uh, deep into the NHL playoffs, um, we have been traveling for the most part. In the first round, it was a combination of travel and uh, games out of the studio. But then in the second round, I was between Las Vegas and Denver for a couple of weeks, and now I'm down in Tampa for the Lightning Islanders series. Well, let's get that in a second. But national versus local, I know it was probably different then, right? Because local, they kind of had more restrictions on the broadcast through the team, travel-wise and whatnot. Well, many of the, most of the teams uh, in professional sports and the networks uh, decided for a number of reasons not to travel the broadcasters to the away games, and we've seen that in, in hockey, basketball, football, and baseball. And I know now some of them are starting to travel, some of the baseball crews. I know the Islanders radio announcers are down here in Tampa. Uh, so it has opened up a little bit, but it was, it was for a combination of reasons. Uh, you know, health and safety protocol, obviously, at the top of the list. Uh, less people traveling, uh, kept everybody healthier and safer. Um, and it was also uh, a financial decision as far as uh, saving money on the flights and the hotel rooms and the television trucks and facilities. It, it was just a lot easier to have everybody stay in their home city and, and broadcast the games off the monitors. Now, for those of you who know, Kenny is a you know one of the only broadcasters to broadcast all four sports, and I'm so honored that I get to know him and call him a friend, Kenny. Like that, is, that means so much. But you just mentioned the Islanders a minute ago. I've been reading a, reading a book by Rudy Rudiger, you know, Rudy from Notre Dame. Yep. He's talking about finding their inner Rudy. Isn't this Islander team a bit like Rudy? Like, he, they're, they're pretty underdogs here, and yet they're coming out swinging, man. They're, they're looking pretty good. Yeah, that's a good point, Alex. And, and you look at what they've done over the last two years, um, making it to the Eastern Conference Final last year by defeating Philadelphia in Game 7 in the second round, and then ultimately they lost to Tampa Bay in six games and then, uh, yesterday, uh, starting – their third straight series on the road. Uh, they fell behind two games to one in each of their first two series against Pittsburgh and Boston. Uh, started both those series on the road and down here in Tampa uh, pulled out a two-to-one victory in game one. And You just have to be impressed with their resiliency uh, playing against these top teams. Uh, I mentioned the Penguins and the Bruins and now the Lightning. 
uh, the style they play under head coach Barry Trotz and general manager Lou Lamorello. Uh, they have great goaltending. You look at their group of defensemen, and, and the sum is probably greater than, than the parts if you look at them individually. And then uh, just the style of hockey they play up front, and they're, and they're so disciplined. Uh, Tampa Bay has the best power play in the league during the playoffs at over 40%, and the Islanders stayed out of the box. They took only three yesterday. Uh, Tampa Bay did score late on one of the power plays with the goalie pulled, so it was a six-on-four, but uh, very impressed with uh, what we saw from the Islanders in game one. And firstly, congratulations getting the call on that on NBC for this series. That, that must mean a lot to you. And, and calling the games for the Rangers and locally, you obviously called the Islanders. So did you see this was a possibility for them even in the regular season? Sure. I think when uh, Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz took over, it just changed the culture. And you look at the success they've had. They had won only one playoff series in the last 20 years uh, prior to the Lamorello-Trotz tandem uh, getting hired by the Islanders' ownership. And now they've won six series in the last three years. So um, you can just see it developing over the three years and uh, certainly impressed with what they did during the regular season. It was a tough division with with Boston and Pittsburgh and Washington and the Rangers and Philadelphia. And, you know, those top four teams all finished, uh, you know, so close uh, to one another. And uh, the Islanders wound up in fourth place. They were only a couple of points out of first. And like I said, they started both series on the road in Pittsburgh and Boston. They won game one in Pittsburgh in overtime. Uh, They lost game one in Boston, but they came back to win game two in overtime and ultimately won both series in six games. Ken, i got to ask you this because you're a hockey you know, you've been around the game for so long. You're now going to call a couple games at the Coliseum. And maybe the last time, we don't know, but what's that feeling going to be like? Well, are you excited to do that? I mean, it's the barn. It's the Coliseum. It's the last year. I'm really looking forward to it, Alex. Um, I grew up on Long Island, so I went to a lot of Islander games. And during my professional career, uh, most of the games that I uh, attended and worked at the Coliseum have been against the Rangers. So it's always such a great atmosphere. Uh, always sold out, even when the Islanders had had some down years. So um, it, it's just a great experience. It's it, it it has that intimate feeling. It's a smaller building. Uh, even up in the press box, you feel like you're so close to the ice because of the overhang and the way it's set up. So um, and I actually this is a little known fact, Alex. The first NHL game that I called uh, was actually an Islander game. It was on the road in Winnipeg back in 1989, but. I was hired to fill in on, on four Islanders radio games during that 89-90 season. So I uh, spent a lot of time at the Coliseum, uh, did a couple of games there with, with Coloradoist Bobby Nystrom at the time. So I definitely have fond memories of, of calling games at the Coliseum and attending games uh, during my uh, youth and my high school and college years. I was going to say, so the memories will probably be flowing for you, you know, because of the 80s, right? You had the Nystrom years of the Gillies. I mean, that's going to probably be hitting you while you're doing these games. Who knows? Absolutely. I, I was not an Islander fan back then in the early 80s, even though I grew up on the island. Believe it or not, I was a Vancouver Canucks fan, um, which uh, I can't even can't even tell you how that started, but I was a Canucks fan from a young age. And I was actually there when the Islanders beat Vancouver in the final in 82. Um, but I have so much respect for those Islander teams. Um, fourth grade cup. I was in uh, junior high school, middle school at the time, and I had so many friends who were Islander fans, and uh, looking back, obviously, among the greatest teams of all time, that Islander dynasty and so many Hall of Fame players, and I've gotten to know a lot of them. I worked with Bobby Nystrom. I worked games with Dennis Potvin. So uh, they're all great guys and always fun to hear them reminisce about uh, 
about th- that cup run back from uh, 80 to 83. And also in 79, uh, I was at a number of the games when they played the Rangers, uh, who defeated them in six to go on to the Stanley Cup final against uh, Montreal. So that was a, a tremendous series to be able to, uh, uh, you know, watch in person as well back in 79. And Kenny calling the Ranger Islander games, I mean, it'll be a different place, but how's the atmosphere been for you when you call those games on the island, specifically, because it is the last year there. What was the energy like this year? Well, we weren't in the building this year, unfortunately. We did the away game from the studio in Manhattan, so uh, did not have the opportunity uh, to call the Ranger Islander games in person on Long Island this year. We did the ones at the Garden in person. Uh, but I was at the Coliseum uh, for two games this year, a regular season game against Buffalo with no fans in the building, which was obviously bizarre, uh, as it was calling games at MSG with no fans. And then I worked game four of the Pittsburgh series uh, on NBC. So uh, there, the, the building was about half full that day, and, and they were loud. They were great. There was definitely uh, – uh, the crowd definitely had an effect on the game and on the teams that day. So uh, it'll be even, even uh, you know – They'll have even more of an effect uh, when we get in there this uh, Thursday and Saturday for games three and four, but there will be more people in the building uh, and imagine than there they, were for that fourth game against Pittsburgh. Imagine they go in 2-0. I mean, that's very unlikely because it's Tampa Bay, but imagine they go in that place 2-0. It's gonna, the roof's going to fall off, it feels like, so who knows. Yeah, but, uh, it'll be wild either way. I mean, at worst, they'll come back 1-1, so it'll, it'll just be uh, an unbelievable atmosphere there on, uh, on Thursday night. You know, I was saying if they go one and one, that's great. But they had to take yesterday, right? That was kind of the marker for them. If they didn't do that, who knew what would have happened the rest of the series? Would Would you agree with that? You know, you never know in these in these long playoff series. I mean, I, I worked the Vegas Colorado series, and Colorado won the first game seven one, and wound up losing the series in six games. So, um, oh, Kenny, that was a roller coaster to cover. Yeah, wasn't I mean, it? Vegas Vegas had gone seven in the first round. They had traveled, so they were at a bit of a disadvantage prior to that. Game one, I think, you know, from the Islanders and Lightning standpoint yesterday, both teams were well-rested. Uh, the Islanders won their series in six last Wednesday, and the Lightning had won their series in five games against Carolina. So both teams were well-rested. Uh, it's interesting. They, they hadn't played each other all year due to the divisional setup this season. So the last time the Islanders and Lightning actually saw each other in person was uh, nine months ago, last September, when they, when they played game six in the bubble in the Eastern Conference Final. Well, real quickly, Vegas and Montreal, I mean, that's going to be a barn burner if you think about it because both teams, as you say, have so much momentum going into it. That that should be an absolutely uh, tremendous series. Um, I just watched the last six Vegas games in person. and That that series, Vegas-Colorado, that could have been a semifinal or even a Stanley Cup final. Uh, Those two teams finished with the most points in the NHL, 82 apiece during the regular season. Unfortunately, they're in the same division, so this year they had a play in the second round of the playoffs, but um, you know, one of them had to lose, and Vegas moves on. And uh, you know, you look at them right now as certainly uh, a, a, a cold favorite, I would think, uh, to win the cup. But Montreal's on fire. They've won uh, seven straight games, uh, the sweep of Winnipeg. They came back to win the last three from Toronto. Uh, they have an outstanding goaltender in Carey Price. Uh, they made a coaching change during the regular season. They signed a number of veterans, brought in a number of veterans, Tyler Toffoli and. Uh, Eric Stahl, uh, just to name a few. Corey Perry, who's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, all three of those guys have won cups. And then they've added youth with Cole Caulfield coming out of the University of Wisconsin. So they just seem to be on one of those magical runs. Well, we'll have to see. Kenny, I also brought you on to thank you for a couple of things. 
Last time I had you on, I don't think I mentioned to my audience that you had my dad and I up in the broadcast booth with you and Dave Maloney uh, against the Boston Bruins in the Ranger game. And I, I want to say thank you for that. That was an incredible – I mean, the Bruins came back, but it was just a good experience to be with you guys. So thank you for that. Well, it was a memorable night for us as well. Thanks for visiting. And uh, you mentioned Dave Maloney, my tremendous uh, radio partner, the former captain of the Rangers. And he's actually down here working the Islanders Tampa Bay series on national radio. So I had a chance to uh, visit with Dave and spend some time yesterday. But it was uh, always great whenever you came up to visit. And then now uh, you and the Islanders have something else in common. You both support the Henry Vistari School. And you mentioned the 80s, you know, Nystrom and Gillies would always come out to support the Vistari School. But thank you uh, for taking some time out this year to do a virtual sports night. What was that like? And, and just give me a little insight of that, because that, that looked pretty cool when I saw the presentation of it. Well, Alex, you know, as you know, and, and we've spent a lot of time together through the years at sports night at the Biscardi Center. It's always one of my favorite uh, nights of the year. Um, I've been very fortunate uh, to be invited out now over the last 15 to 20 years and um, always great, obviously, in person uh, before the pandemic to attend and um, unfortunately, my schedule the last few years, it's, it's fallen during the Stanley Cup playoffs, so I haven't been able to attend for the last uh, three or four years. But uh, a big supporter, obviously, and uh, this year was honored when they, they asked me to uh, be the host of the virtual event. So I actually went out to uh, Albertson, Long Island uh, in late April or early May, and they have a terrific setup there, the studio, uh, the broadcast facility. So I uh, spent a couple of hours and, and recorded the, uh, you know, all of the different segments, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, a great cause and a huge honor to be involved and, and to have been invited uh, for the last 20 years or so. Well, always thank you for that time. And, yeah, I mean, we, we expanded beyond that, which is even more cool because we see each other at all the other games. So it's always been having, it's fun having this friendship. Uh Kenny, I got to say about your dad retiring, I mean, any thoughts on that? I mean, this is a big moment for, for that right now as well. Well, I'm not sure I ever thought he would actually retire. I figured he would work forever, but uh, he feels it's the right time. Um, he was able to work a, a Knicks-Atlanta game uh, in the first round, his final game at Madison Square Garden, where he worked for uh, close to 40 years, and uh, he'll continue to work the NBA playoffs through the end of this second round, and then the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, uh, going out on his terms, decided it was time. And uh, like I said, I never thought he would actually uh, uh, utter the word retire. But clearly it's been a, you know, a big family gathering for you guys every year. So he, he, even though he was on the road for all those years, he kept the family together, which has been great to see. And obviously you've become a broadcaster as well, which is pretty awesome, I'm sure, uh, in your own right as well. Hey, well, you know, I joke, Alex, I joke yeah. that when I was growing up on Long Island, whenever my uncles, Al and Steve, would come over, who were also long-time play-by-play broadcasters, I would sit around and listen to the stories, and I joke that that was like the first all-sports radio station uh, back in the 70s and early 80s. I would just soak it all in by osmosis and listen to their stories about the various games they worked and the teams they were around and the players, so uh, just great moments. Well, one more thing. I can't let you go without talking about the Knicks because you did obviously see that series. But you covered them over the years. Can we see, is this just the start of something that could even be Islander-esque where they keep elevating every playoff uh, year? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was such a special season uh, for the Knicks, winning over 40 games. And um, I, I kind of see some similarities in, in Barry Trotz and, and Tom Thibodeau, uh, both tremendous head coaches. 
Uh, Thibodeau won the NBA Coach of the Year. Um, just his principles of teamwork and and defense and and hard work. Um, I really, you know, I've known Barry Trotz for 30 years. I, I don't know Thibodeau very well. It's just a building, you know, from the outside. They do have a lot of similar traits, and uh, the Knicks have a tremendous management team with Leon Rose and William Wesley and Scott Perry right on down and uh, to the coaching staff. So I think this this is just the start of uh, something very special. And the last time we had gone, I think they had just hired Rose a couple weeks prior. So it was perfect timing then, and it's perfect timing now to get you on and, and enjoy calling the rest of the series. We'll be watching you. Uh, Islanders Lightning on NBC. Alex, really appreciate it. Look forward to game two uh, tomorrow here in Tampa and then getting back to the Coliseum for games three and four. Uh, hope we can do this again soon. And uh, always appreciate your support, and good luck with, uh, with everything going on with your career. Thank you. Well, we're, we're moving along here. Thank you for always wanting to be part of this and, and making time. So I'm very appreciative, Kenny, every time we can get to do this. So let's Anytime. Say, my, my pleasure. It happens, right? My you pleasure. Guys. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Kenny. I'm Alex Garrett, where, of course, we're always adapting. Talk to you soon. Kenny, that was perfect. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, and hopefully, I, the I don't know what I'm going to do, but hopefully after the Coliseum for one of these games, because this is the last year, and I'm trying to see where, what, what's it going to be like trying to get in, so we'll see what happens. But we'll the box you posted. Yeah, I will. And if I'm there, I'll let you know. Absolutely. Let me know. I'll try to come down and visit at some point before the game or, you know, we're all the way upstairs, but definitely let me know if you're there. All right, Kenny, we'll do. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.
Well, Jake Russell of One Block, thank you for doing what you can for your community. Not in our backyard, not in our front yard. We won't accept the trash. We want to clean it up. And uh, at least one organization gets that. Let's hope that continues onward through the city as we are moving post-pandemic. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. Talk to you soon.